The message you're about to listen to is from the 2020 annual conference of the Household of David, themed Mercy. Be blessed as you listen. Let's say a word in prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this glorious conference. We thank you for great impartations that have happened in this meeting. We return all the praise and all of the glory unto you. I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you will grant utterance this evening. That I will speak as your oracle. That I will be able to deposit by the Spirit something into this conference in addition to what already has been imparted. And that you will do this, Lord, by your Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated, but to be able to get God's mind to communicate what God wants to communicate to his people, um, it takes integrity of heart, which means you spend time in the presence of God and you are certain inside your heart that this is what God will have you say to the people. Now, I've listened to some of the messages of this conference on the mercy of God. I've been very, 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 very powerful. And uh, the mercy of God is, is probably the greatest attribute of God, if you want to talk about that. Because God is not power, God is love. And when we talk about mercy, we are talking about the love of God. So it's a very vast area. Um, a lot of the speakers have covered um, a lot of grounds. And in prayer, um, I... It was ascertained in my spirit just to address one aspect of this subject of the mercy of God. And it has to do with a scripture that we often quote that is not of him that runneth, neither is he of him that willeth, but is of God that showeth mercy. Uh, we find that in Numbers, uh, sorry, Romans chapter 9 and verse 15 and uh, verse 16. It tells us in Romans 9, 15 and 16, uh, we all know it, that it says this, uh, For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. And then in verse 16, it says, So it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. Then again, we have a powerful statement on mercy in the book of Lamentations. Lamentations and chapter 3 from verse 9. Or 19, rather. It says, Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood does bitterness and gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance, and is humbled in me. This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. That's expectation. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions filled not. So here the writer says, 
the compassion of God faileth not. And I will urge you to go back into the Gospels. We see Jesus being the brightness of God's glory, the express image of his person, and search for the word compassion, and you will find out that the works of Jesus were done, and Jesus was moved by compassion. In other words, what moved Jesus to heal the sick was compassion. What moved him to talk about feeding the people was compassion. He saw the people and he had compassion upon them. Now, the most conspicuous statement in the scriptures about God and about our Father are the declarations of his mercy and his compassion. Which means, if we look at it, his mercy and his compassion. Now, once we understand, and I'm going somewhere with this, that God moves by compassion, then you will understand it is impossible for God to see one of his creatures suffering and he doesn't want to do something about it. Then we will understand there is no reluctance in God to step into the affairs of humanity and help them. F. F. Butler, one of the great teachers of faith, said this. He said, there is no note that can be sounded about God's character that will inspire faith as the mercy or the compassion of God. So you want to inspire faith in people for the miraculous, speak about the mercy and the compassion of God. And therefore, Satan has worked, he said this, to hide from humanity the disposition of the Father as being merciful. What Satan has done is to struggle. And that's why this meeting is so powerful. Because he has struggled to hide from humanity uh, the, 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 the attribute of God called the mercy of God. And what he has done, he has allowed modern theology to exalt the ability of God, that is, God is all-powerful, more than the mercy and the compassion of God. So he has allowed modern preaching to describe God as all-powerful. But the question becomes, is that God willing to use what he now brings in? Is that you have an all-powerful God. But you know, he's not willing to really use that power because he finds fault with his children. I mean, I would rather be called a weak person than be called a person without compassion. Now, let me paint this picture. A, a child would rather think of his father or her father 
as not having ability rather than not being compassionate. In the sense, this is what compassion is. If a child is here, a young child, God forbid, and this monitor goes on the body of the child and the child is screaming out of pain, there is something that moves inside you to lift that monitor. You understand that? There is a force that moves on the inside. That force is compassion. In other words, when Jesus saw people that were sick, it's the same way as somebody, a parent or a mother, looking at a car to come and hit a child, and she jumps in front of that car. That's compassion that moves. Now, the car is stronger than her, but compassion will make her put her way in the, in the place of a child, all right, to save. I mean, I, I knew somebody in school who, I mean, his son has grown up now, he's about 17, 18 years old. But he lost his life because there was a car coming towards his son. And he put himself in the way of the car in order to save that boy who was three years old then. And lost his life. That is what is called compassion. Once you know that somebody is compassionate, you will understand he cannot see you suffering. Now, now you follow what I'm saying? But if you think somebody is able then it means that he's looking at the child. So this is the image Satan is trying to paint. That you are praying and praying and praying, and God is seeing you suffering, and he just looks away. Now, can you imagine having this monitor on a child, and the child is crying, and I'm preaching and I'm looking away, you will come to the conclusion that I'm a wicked person. Now, but if the thing is heavier than me, and I'm struggling to do it, at least you will know I'm a good person. It's just that I'm not able. Do you understand what I'm saying? So to promote ability more than compassion is to turn God into a wicked person. So the image is people are worshipping God because he's able. Worship should be because he's merciful. That is why the people that God resolved sang. Praise the Lord for his word good and his word mercy endureth forever. The minute they were singing mercy songs, power came. You cannot think of God denying your prayer to alleviate a suffering in your life if you know he's merciful. That's why the idea that God will see a suffering person and delay helping that person is unscriptural. God himself told us in Proverbs, if you see your brother come and you have something, you have the ability to help him, and you say go and come back, he said you're a wicked person. So how then do we see people coming to God in prayer and it's the picture of God that has been created. That you have a God and demons believe in that ability. That's why they tremble. So it's a demonic thing. Glorify the power, minimize the person who is compassionate. Can you imagine seeing people eating at the dustbin? And then they are there. And then you hear their father is the richest man in the city of Lagos. And they are eating at dustbin. Uh -uh. What will you say? This man is wicked. What, what could they have done? What could they have done? What in this world did they do that your children are in the dustbin with pigs? Then you have an all-powerful God watching his children suffering going through the mechanics of a faith principle that is tedious. Do you think it's like that? 
Now, I want you to look at this. Those who came to Jesus for healing, those who came to Jesus for healing. Now, let me repeat my statement. Every single person in the Bible that came to Jesus for healing got healed. Now, look at it. Those who came for healing all recovered and he healed them all. Now, except, and I'll show you the scriptures, you want to tell me that everybody was perfect. That, that when they heard Jesus was in town, the Bible says they gathered their sick. Except they're telling me that all those sick people were living right. It means he, there was no discrimination in helping people out of trouble. Are you following? One of, except you are saying that those people, all of them, now, and you will see the scriptures to see whether it is so. Except you're saying that they were all living perfect without any exception, then you must understand it is his love and forgiveness that transforms lives and character. And we will look at the scriptures. Quickly, let's look at this. So, we're Matthew chapter 4. Quickly put that up. Matthew chapter 4 from verse 23 to verse 25. It says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing how many? All manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame, you know, when your fame goes out, it means how you are is being told. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So when people talk about you, that's your fame going out. Now, it's what they say that will make people respond to you. So his fame went throughout Syria. And the Bible says they brought unto him how many sick people? All sick people that were taken with diverse diseases, torments, and those that were possessed with devils, and those that were lunatic, and those that had palsy. And he did what? He healed them. Chapter 9 of Matthew and verse 35. I don't want to show something about his character, then I just say one aspect of this. Jesus went about all cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing how many? Every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with what? Compassion. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15. But Jesus knew it, when he knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed how many? All. Except you are saying the multitudes... We're all living right. Everybody, Jesus healed. All right? Everybody. In other words, there was no inhibition in God. Because you can only love because he first loved you. When you know you don't deserve something and you got it, you will have a disposition. You know, there was something that happened, I say that many years ago. Somebody I knew came to see me. She just started ministry there. And she used to go to Fountain of Light. And so I knew her. And so one day she came to see me in the office. And she said she got robbed on, on Third Mainland. That she got robbed. 
And her bag was taken and everything was taken from her. And she used to go to fountain. She said, Pastor Tai, what would you call them? And when she went to see him, he said, how much was inside that bag? And she said, everything he gave to her. When, when she told me that and left, there is nobody after that day that I know got robbed that I don't give them something to reverse it. Which means, it's not even me that experienced it. It's that I heard somebody did that. If that's why Jesus told them, he said, why are you critical? He says, because you, this woman was forgiven much. To whom much is forgiven? The one that loves a lot is the one that has experienced that love. So read through it. You will find one more scripture 14. Let's just look at Matthew 14 here. And verse 34. I know what God said and he said, God is able, but he's not willing. The mercy of God says God is what? Willing. Are you following what I'm saying here? Mercy of God says God is willing. In other words, this year I have a dream in my heart. I'm not sure whether God will release his power. I'm not sure. That's what is the hindrance to faith. That's the hindrance to faith. I'm not really sure whether God wants will, will release his power. But can God release, can, I mean, can God release his power? I mean, if I came here now and I said to you, you know, God doesn't have the ability to make a man successful in three months. God doesn't have the ability. Fight to start here. What rubbish is that? Demonic doctrine. How can you say that about our God? How can you say that about God? So you win. Now if I tell you, do you want to be financially prosperous? Yes. Will God make you financially prosperous in the next three months? Wait. Do you know that's the problem? If you don't accept he will do it in three months, it won't happen. Nobody listen even demons will agree on ability. Where demons are, where the problem is, is, is he what? Willing. A revelation of mercy is the blind man that came to Jesus. If thou will, thou can make me clean. Before he finished, Jesus said, I will. So the Lord is gracious means he is disposed to show him favors. But what we hear is God is able instead of God is gracious. And that God is willing and that God is merciful. It doesn't take much faith to say that God is able. But to know that God is willing is really the key. God delights in blessing God delights in helping people. God delights in fulfilling exceedingly abundantly above anything you can ask or think. There is no reluctance in God to help his people, right, and get things and, 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 and bring them into a place of fellowship with him. So God himself, and God is looking for something. 
in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9. God is looking for something. Now, because of time, there was a king of Israel, Asa, Basha, king of Israel, came against Judah. And Asa was the king of Judah. And so, what happened was, instead of Asa going directly to God, he went and brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of God and the king's house and went to be the king of Syria to come into league and said, come and help me fight. And so they fought and they won. And then uh, Hanane, that's the prophet, the seer in verse 7, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you have relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord your God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of your hand. Then he told him, were not the Ethiopians and Libyans a huge host? With very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because thou did rely on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong in the behalf of him whose heart is perfect towards him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. From now on you will have words. So God's eyes are looking throughout the entire earth. So find people whose hearts does their disposition is perfect. They rely upon God to show himself strong in their lives. Now what's God looking for? Psalm 33 and verse 6. What's he looking for? Sorry, and verse 18. Behold the eye of the Lord. Now, it says from verse 16, There is no king that is saved by a multitude of hosts. And a mighty man is not delivered by much strength. A horse is a vain thing for safety, neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. But the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, Upon them that hope in what? In his mercy. He is looking for people that will say, a compassionate God cannot leave me in distress. And when they are worshipping God, they are calling on the merciful and compassionate God. He says, listen, it is an insult for you to tell me that I will leave you and forsake you. He said, can a woman forget her sucking child? Which means she gave birth to a child and then you meet the woman and say, so do you have, did you give birth and say, well, let me see, let me see. She has three children. Say, let me see, let me see. I can't remember. He says, is it possible? He says, let's even stretch it. They may forget. He says, I can never. My compassion for you is beyond what the mother will do for the child. He says, I have engraven thee upon the palms of my hand. So if you come to God and your hope is in that disposition of the Father towards you as a merciful God, and that is how you are rejoicing and worshipping God, what happens is then you get the power of God released into that particular situation and, 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 and things begin to happen. So benevolence is the great attribute of God. 
He delights in blessing, in alleviating pain and suffering. He is infinitely good. He exists in a state of consecration to pour forth his blessing upon his creatures wherever they make it possible. So if you want to please him, remove the obstacle out of the way of the exercise of his mercy. Place yourself where the mercy of God can reach you and you will find his power in your life. Now, in this message, I, I struggled at this point. All right. I could go in three directions and I'm trying to decide now which one because I rewrote the message on my way here. So, I'll wait for about one minute and preach something to find and ascertain whether it's what I wrote I should say. Well, let me show you Genesis 4. I just want to show you how God is. Look, if anybody runs to God, God solves their problem. Okay? Genesis chapter 4. Look at verse 10. Let me show you this. Uh, from verse 9. The Lord said unto Cain, now Cain had killed Abel. Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of your brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. Now, this is God. This is not even a man. God is pronouncing a curse on, on a person. When you till the ground, it shall not henceforth yield her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be on the earth. Ah, when Cain heard it. As Cain was, Cain knew God. God pronounced the cause. Cain said, God, come. This one is too much now. This, somebody is the one, it's God himself. Are you following what I'm saying here? Now, it's just like somebody, a boss is angry with you. When you get out of my office, you're not going to be here again. But you know something about him. That he's a merciful and compassionate God. So after he said it, Cain said, my punishment is greater than I can bear. God, do something about it. Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from the face shall I be hid, and I shall be a fugitive and vagabond, and it shall come to pass that everybody that finds me will kill me. God said, okay. You've touched something. And the Lord said unto him, therefore, whosoever slayeth came vengeance. The same God. The same God. Said, anybody, I'm the one that said they will kill you. Now, I have said anybody that tries that thing, vengeance shall be taken upon him sevenfold. And then the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Which means, after he said it, he marked him that what I said won't happen. Go. You have a better covenant. Are you following what I'm saying here? This is somebody that killed his brother. Killed the fresh. Still said, God, you are merciful. If you, if you brought the problem, you will bring 
the solution. This, that's why David said, who do you choose to fall into the hands of man or God? He said, I'm going for God. Because I know that if this God judges me as he's judging, I can enter into him. Are you following what I'm saying here? That's the dispo- That's You see, that's what we don't understand about God. That's why anybody that runs into God, just leave them. Because you don't know what they and God said. That is how Jonah came with a sound prophetic word from heaven. Jonah. He, God carried him out of the belly of the whale for this assignment. Jonah went and said, 40 days. Those people said, we know the God who has pronounced it. Everybody fast. God came back. What am I telling you? Anybody that runs into God about any trouble. Do you understand what I'm saying here? Even if you cost it, God is a God of judgment and justice. Because of what you have done, there has to be what you sow, you reap. But as you are reaping it, if you run into him, he will use his mercy to alleviate that suffering. So put yourself where, as I said, now I'm clear on what I'm saying now. All right? If you want to please God, remove the obstacles out of the way, which means take away the obstacle. There is an obstacle that out of the way of the exercise of his benevolence, place yourself where the mercy of God can reach you. Now, what is that obstacle? Now, listen to me well. Because those who are trying to preach the grace message because they didn't, un- they didn't, they didn't, un- they, you know, many of, m- maybe some, but many people just took it and started running. Started trying to say something that wasn't so. But listen well to this. What is the obstacle there? The obstacle that God is saying uh, that is keeping that mercy from coming are not the flaws that we have. For the Bible says, if God will mark sin, who can stand? Now, when you think your flaws will keep you away from mercy, then you have created that obstacle. I mean, I listened to Reverend George. What he said about instruction being a vessel of mercy, powerful. Because let me tell you this, never judge where God is showing mercy. When Jonah saw what happened in Nineveh, he was angry. God, this is what it means. God says, none of him that runneth or of him that willeth. God said, all right, I will teach you a lesson. He went somewhere and sat down in anger. And then the sun came out on him. And after some time, a branch came. And he knew nothing about it and covered him. And then in 24 hours, worms came and ate up that branch. And God told him, he said, listen, he told him, he said, the branch that came over you to create a shade over you, did you know anything about it? He said, no. He said, when you see me showing mercy somewhere and you judge it, you allow worms to take away things that came into your life that you didn't deserve. So if you see the younger brother who had spent everything that he had and he comes to church... And he's dancing and dancing. I want to show you something. 
Because if you don't allow him to dance, he can't see God. And if he doesn't see God, he can't get transformed. The God is a consuming fire. If you can come up and see him, it is only God that can change a person. And when you stop people from seeing him, then you stop them from changing. Because if you say you have to be right before you see him, then you will never see him. If you say you can see him because of the blood, then when you see him, God said, no man sees me and remains. That's, what, that's why we didn't see Enoch again. Because he walked with God the day he saw God. God said it is over. It is only the new creation that can see God and not die. But when you seek him, what happens? You are changed into that same image. So the only way you can live right and the purpose for opening the door is to see him. And there is nothing like saying, I have access into the presence of God and I did not change. It is impossible. Access is granted on the grounds of the blood, not your conduct. But there is no way a person walks in and sees God and he stays the same. It's not possible. That is not what? Possible. There is no way a person will be in a situation, you come in and you see God. Whatever God needs to consume from your life that is not right. That's why he said, listen, this is the covenant. I will write my laws in your mind. The same way Moses came up to Mount Sinai and I wrote the Ten Commandments, he didn't write them. You will come up Mount Zion and I, with the finger of the Holy Ghost, will light and transform. You will come out of my presence where you have stayed in worship, singing the songs of Revelation. Everything I've shown you in the scripture, singing it back to me. And as you are singing it, I'll be writing it into your conduct and character. So what is the obstacle? You can never be right until you see him. So the obstacle is what is keeping you from seeing him. What's the obstacle? The obstacle is, why is this man born blind? Is it because his father sinned or because he sinned? Once you are thinking that, there will never be healing. That eyes is not going to be open. Are you following saying it? So, you see somebody who spent all that he had, wasted it. That's what happened to the elder brother. And he saw him and heard sounds of rejoicing and dancing. He, I mean, this trips us. Working with a merciful God is, is not an easy thing. Because we don't think that way. Then he said, well, how can he be dancing? And he refused. All these years have I served you. All these years have I served you. You know what the father was saying? He was saying, you are my son. Even if you didn't serve me, all that I have is yours. You are to use it that I've given you to serve me, not to end it. Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, all the resources I have in heaven is yours. When you come there, you are not to waste it. You are to use it in the service of what? God. So what's this obstacle here? Quickly, let me show you, show you what it is. God is the only solution and God is the only one that helps. Our lack of understanding of his love for us 
You must understand that when did Jesus die for you? Colossians 1.21 says, While you were yet a sinner, sinner, in sin, an enemy of God, he sent Jesus and Jesus died for you. That's when he sent Jesus to die, you were in rebellion and antagonizing him. And he gave his best. This then is the obstacle. Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 38. It says, or oh, let's read from verse 35. Cast not away therefore your confidence that has a great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience. After you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. For yet a little while, he that shall come will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. He said, if any man's soul draw back, if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are of them, he says this, who draw, we are not of them, who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. So what is God, uh, the obstacle, people keep drawing back from God's presence. They keep drawing back. What, what, now, this was written in context. What are they drawing back from? Look at it in verse, verse 19. Having therefore boldness to enter into the holiest of all by the blood of Jesus Christ, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in the full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from our evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So he's saying, if you draw back, draw back from what? After my blood has opened the way. If you draw back from that, he says, my soul shall have no pleasure in you. What he's looking for is true worship. And after Jesus dealt with the issue of justification and created access, the next thing the blood of Jesus did was to purge the consciousness of people so that they can all right, worship God. It says the conscience of the worshippers wants porch. In other words, God is looking for worship. Now, worship is beyond singing. Worship, you can honor God, you can say something, but your heart is still not where it's supposed to be. A, a person can be praising God for the fulfillment of something, but their consciousness still carries a question mark. They, they still feel that, uh, am I sure there's still something there? And, and Satan is doing that. He's accusing people in their conscience and, and trying to. But he says, I, I want worshipers that worship me in spirit and in truth. That will recognize that I'm entering this place by the blood. 
And once I go into the holiest of all, it is not possible that I enter into that place and come out the same. That's, that's the issue there. So if somebody says I'm worshipping and nothing happens, no, 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 no. There's something inside the consciousness there. If you go in to that place in worship and you stay there in the place of worship and you are worshipping God that you understand that he's a merciful God and you are singing and you come there and tell him and sing about your weaknesses and how the blood of Jesus Christ and you are open and you come with it and even if you caused a problem in the office and they sacked you, you turn that thing into a song are you following what I'm saying here? And bring it, you are naked before God and not ashamed. You know that your entrance into this place and you are singing about his goodness and his mercy and his ability to deliver you. And in that song, the Holy Ghost brings out a song that go and sin no more, lest they worship. And you hear yourself singing a song by the Spirit. As I live here, Lord, I will never return back to that particular thing. Open and you are singing that thing and you begin to hear the songs of the Holy Ghost, all right, that you did not prepare before you entered into the Holy are you following what I'm saying? How did David get into that place? And David began to sing about the priesthood after the order of Melchizedek. How did he do it? How did David get there and talk about, about what will happen on the cross? And as, that's why when they opened that place, David said, there must always be somebody who is writing the songs when you start singing. Somebody must be keeping record because they broke into the realm. That's worship. Worship is when you start hearing yourself sing a song you did not prepare before you entered that place. Worship is when you start hearing revelation that is coming out of your heart. I'm talking about what transforms. I'm talking about what transforms. When you get there, and you sing about the God who is a consuming fire, that you cannot, as a consuming fire, leave these infirmities in me now that I've seen you. I can't go back to it for you burn them out of my life. But if people don't understand, all right, and they have that consciousness on the inside them, then they won't be able to get into worship. And if they don't get into worship, you know what it says? There's a remembrance of sin year by year. In other words, we'll be going through the cycles. Same thing you were battling with 10 years ago, you'll be battling with it today. Nothing will change. If somebody was angry when he was in secondary school, had an anger problem, he would get saved. When you push him to a point, that anger thing will still come out. We'll be packaging, not transformed. That's what we'll be doing. It will be a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. That is why for somebody, for you to say that the blood gives access, yes. But that after you have access, you still remain, it's not so. You can't enter into the holiest of all and get there into heaven itself. And the Holy Ghost doesn't start writing the laws of the new life. So if a person goes to God, let's assume that God gives a person a promise. This is what he's saying. And he gives you that promise and tells you exceeding great and precious promise and said, by the end of this year, this is where your business will be. A, a person under condemnation will carry it and say, 
That, that's why it's called the evil heart of unbelief. It's an evil conscience. And I say, how can this thing be? Because he's looking at himself. But he goes to God and sings in worship as to what happened in his life because that promise had come to pass. And he's worshiping God. The steps the person needs to take to make it happen, God writes it on the inside. You come out of that place of worship, you understand what to do to make that promise come to pass. Without getting into his presence, you are on the outside without the substance of it struggling. So let me close by saying something. Among the blessings, I hope you understood what I just said now. You are still with me. Among the blessings that mercy confers, there is one major one, because he asked me to say this and then pray. There is one major one in the scriptures that the Jewish people understood. Blind Bartimaeus understood it. Once he saw Jesus, he said, Son of David, have mercy on me. They knew. The two blind men said, Son of David, have mercy on us. What was it for? The opening of of the eyes. Now, mercy has many manifestations. But this year, you need this one, this, manif- this manifestation of mercy I want to preach. You need this one. And I'll show you. It is God opening up your inner eyes to see. Now he says, preach this on the platform of my mercy and then pray it into the lives of people. Now, let me show what I'm saying. Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, this was when Jesus was coming. Now, and verse 37. And when he was come nigh, even at the descent of Mount Olives, a whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and to praise God for the mighty works that they had seen. So they saw mighty works and they were rejoicing and praising God. Just done mighty works. Okay? Saying, blessed be the king that cometh in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees among the people said, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if they should hold their peace, the stones will immediately cry out. And then when he was come near, he beheld the city. Now, Jesus had done mighty works in the city. And then Jesus comes near the city and he beholds it. And Jesus starts weeping. And he starts crying. And he weeps. And you know why he's weeping? He said, if thou had known, even at least in this thy day, the things that belong to your peace. The word peace there comes from the root word shalom, which also means prosperity or your advancement. Now are they hid from thine eyes, but the day shall come upon thee that the enemy shall build a trench round about thee. So, Jesus looked at the city that he had done mighty works, and he began to weep over it. And he had done mighty works and said, if only you had known the things that make for your prosperity, now are they hidden from your eyes. Let me give an example. One time, we bought a piece of land, all right, for a certain amount of money. All right? And 
the person who sold the land to us was a banker and he went to buy that land in Lekki area. He just bought it when they were just selling land in Lekki for, for anything. So maybe he bought the land for three million. What he sold it was, I'm just assuming now, all right? I'm just saying this, not, not that the figures are correct. But let's assume, but what he sold it was probably 60 times what he bought it for. Now, the amount of money that he bought it, so let's say God did a mighty work for him. He got a job in the bank and got a promotion. And he was rejoicing. Ah, I got a promotion. And that meant his salary went up and he had disposable income. He took the disposable income and bought a car, put rings on it, put leather seats, and Jesus looks at the disposable income and looks at property in Lekki and says, this could have bought three acres that in five years, this person could have built an estate that his children's children, if I tarry, will be living off just this breakthrough that he had. But that person takes that breakthrough and is spending it on, he travels, buys shoes, buy this, and Jesus weeps. Now, he has experienced a mighty work of Jesus, but his eyes has been closed to why Jesus did the work. Are you following what I'm saying here? That he is experienced a mighty work, but his eyes have been closed. So Jesus starts weeping and says, the season is soon going to change. And when the season changes, this thing that is making this bank succeed will drop. They will change a policy in seven years' time. When they change it, this bank will have to lay off 30% of the workers. They are going to lay this dude off. When they lay this person off, if he had used that money and started building estates, he would have gone into estates. As they laid him off, he would have been released into something greater. But now, they are going to build a trench about him, and he's going to be angry, and he's going to be angry, and he's going to be saying to himself, what did these bank people do? This boss that drove me away, this nonsense person, and he has not seen that. There, were, there was a lot that was hidden in that ground. But it was his lack of sight that actually is his problem because seasons change. I've preached for a man in this country. I will not say who it is. But when the archbishop flew to a particular place, back then in the 80s, he took his entire choir to this place. The archbishop looked at the congregation and said, well, we chartered a flight and came here. This is the amount of money here, 52000 or something. We need to raise this. And they started raising The entire church got to 26000 This individual came out. And said, sir, don't bother yourself any further. I wrote 26 grand back then. I was in a meeting where he said half a million dollars comes into us every month in the 80s. When I got to preach there, I looked. What happened? You can be in the midst of a move of God and miss the essence of it. Listen, you can toil all night and catch nothing. And then, according to the word of God, you catch net-breaking, are you from there? Boat-sinking fish. But you don't know the purpose is to leave the fish and go on apostolic walk. You sit down with the fish and say, God has blessed us. 
Do you see you've experienced a work, but you are blinded to the purpose? Now, are you following what I'm saying here? Now, I want you to know about that is because it's not even the right of God that showed me. I want you to know what that means. So you're blinded to the purpose. And then you're looking around and saying, oh, so what's going on? Oh, what? And people are complaining. Ah, what happened? Oh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I was in a meeting once, um, Dr. Crevola in Atlanta, and some pastors got up and they said, and I, could, I couldn't believe it when God told me that thing. And they were complaining about the fact that the city, the laws have come to drive them out of the center of the city, and they are now on the outskirts and all of that. God told me, he said, don't listen to these men. Don't listen to them. When they were in the center of the city, I, they didn't do what I said they should do. That's why they brought a law to drive them away. Don't listen to what they are saying. So you can be in position by a mighty work, but you don't see the essence of it. Jesus did miracles for three years and said the essence of all this is the cross. Nobody understood it. Are, are you following what I'm saying here? If he stayed longer and then go to that cross, something else would have happened. So what am I saying? It is the blessing of eyes that see. Alright? Now, let's look at quickly. I have just four more scriptures. Romans chapter 9. I just want to show you. You will see what he's saying here. Because sometimes it says, it's not of him that runs, of him that willeth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. As though, you know, it's just God that looks around and says, mercy. Mercy. Are you from saying here? Like a chance thing. So someone says, it's not of him that wants, and then it becomes laziness. No, it's not of him that runs, or of him that willeth, though. All this thing we are saying is of God that showeth mercy. And then, no organization in the business, no diligent study. It's not of him that run it, of him that will it. It's God that knows. And if you have that attitude, and that's the kind of, but there's something he was saying about it that is, a person can be running, a person can be willing. We must get it. Somebody else wants that same thing. But instead of running and all of that, he says, first, mercy touch me. After mercy has touched me, I will run. Now, I'll show you what it means. I'll show you this. After mercy has touched me, take off. When you see this, you, you will see how close you can be. To, that's why the fear of God will come. To the move of a spirit and miss it. I shouldn't be saying some, some of this, but let's say it so that people, younger people will learn. Many people left the archbishop. The archbishop came out. He was in pain. He said, watch it. Watch it. He said, I might have experienced death, but on the third day I'll be raised up. Watch it. Check the date. When men like Bishop Redeco say here, and God told them, go and meet the Archbishop. They came to that Bishop, pam! There's, there's, they, they, that was when the lineage, a strong lineage started. I was in the meeting in Benin City when some of these men came back. I was close to Bishop Redeco and was saying, Father, thank you. Ah, thank you that you gave me eyes to see. You gave me eyes to see, which means we could have done what? Missed it. You can get angry at the place of your appointment. 
and completely. Now, let me show you this. So you understand what the mercy of God is. So it says in Romans 9 here, verse 11. For the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to what? Election. Might stand not of works, but of him that what? Calleth. It was said, the elder shall serve the younger. As it's written, Jacob have loved this, have I hated. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness of God? God forbid. For he saith to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So it's not of him that runneth, neither is it of him that willeth, but of God that does what? Showeth mercy. So, what he's saying in effect is, if you are not ordained by God for something, no matter how you hustle, you can't reach what God has not called you to do. But he can call you and you still don't reach it. Alright? Let me show you what he's saying here. Look at just one verse. Verse 11. The children being not born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose according to what of God, according to election may stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Now go to Romans 11 and verse 5. So, it says, according to what? Election, not works. Look at what it says in 5. So then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to the word election of grace. And if it is by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were what? Blinded. In other words, Israel was seeking for something, but Israel was blinded to what Israel was seeking for. So you know what happened? Israel was doing several things. But Israel's eyes were closed. And so when he talks about, I will show you when he says, it's not of him that runneth, of him that willeth. Or the race is not for the swift. The battle is not for the strong. By time and chance. He says, by the opportunities that time presents. It is of the person who has obtained mercy to get their eyes opened. Which means, it is not of him that runneth or of him that willeth. But of the person that the mercy of God has opened up their inner eyes. Now, let me show you what I'm saying. And that's why when they were crying, have mercy of God, they said, that we may see. That we may see. Now, let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 19. Close with the scriptures here. Genesis 19. It says from verse 10. Now, because of time, we know what happened. God was going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot was there. God wanted to get Lot out. He sent his angels Good-looking angels, they came there. These men were so corrupt, reprobate in their minds that they told Lot, we want to have those men. Lot came out to the mob. Guys, cool down. Take my daughters. They said, we don't want your daughters. It's these men that we want. Lot was appealing to them until the angel said, enough is enough. We are going spiritual. So, what happened? Verse 10. 
But the men, that's the angels now, put forth their hand and pulled Lot into the house to them and did what? Shut the door. So the angels pulled Lot in and closed the door. Now, the Bible says, the Bible says, and they smote the men that were at the door. Where were they? Where were they? At the door of the house with what? Blindness, both great and small. So they wearied themselves to find what was before them. Which means if mercy doesn't, and it's only mercy that can do this, open your inner eyes, you can be standing before your breakthrough. And you'll be going around it. Going around it. Now, now, let me say this to you and I'll show you. Nothing that God wants to do in your life is far. It is very close. If you haven't experienced transforming power of God and you are running around, running around, that's why it's not of him that willeth, of him that rolleth, it's of God that showeth mercy. And tonight we want to ask for this mercy on everybody. Right? The door is right there. Let me give you another example. You know, they kept going around until they were tired. Which means, if you keep laboring until you are tired, you don't know the way. Alright? The richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos, says he must sleep six hours. Sleep. And when he wakes up, he doesn't take any decision beyond 10 a.m. After 10 a.m., he's not making any decision again. And between 7 a.m. and 10 a.m., his maximum decisions three. After that, if you bring anything, it's tomorrow. And he's the wealthiest man in the world. Yeah, there are people making decisions till 12. <laughs> and then you come back. What happened, man? I've walked. I've, I've just been there. All right? You sleep late. You rise early. But you eat bread of sorrow. I want to show you what that mercy does. Mercy doesn't say you won't walk, but mercy shows you the walk. Mercy is the only thing that can make you know when wine finishes in the feast. Where are we going to get wine? Where are we going to get wine? It's only if mercy touches a soul can that soul say, go and fill those pots with water and draw out. The solution is always in your house, right before you. Once you start going out of there, know that there's no mercy. Go to and obtain mercy. Go and obtain, never. That's why when the prophet came, he said, what do you have in your house? It is always in your house. You say, well, I'm pastoring the church, it's not growing. Let me tell you this. The solution is inside a congregation. Somebody is there seated the idea to grow that church is in his head. He has just never said it. If you, that, if you can manage to get, you see, as we are here now, I guarantee you, any challenge anybody has here, there's somebody in this auditorium that can solve it. Listen, if you say, if you just sit down and say, um, I, I'm trying to get a, 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 a permission to do something from this particular authority. If you say it out there, somebody at the back there will say, ah, you should have said it all this day now. My uncle is the one. Are you following what I'm saying here? 
That's why Jesus looked at them and started weeping because the thing was before them. Genesis 21. Look at this. All right. Now, before we do that, I put up Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 15. It says, The labor of the what? Foolish wearieth everybody. Everybody's tired. Because they know not how to do what? Enter. They don't know the door. But you are hustling, running, willing, projecting. But the door. And Jesus is looking and saying, that's the door. That's the door. That's why if mercy touches you and the door, your eyes are open. Anytime you tell anybody, you say, please, please, pray first to... Pray first to... Worship God first before you do anything. Ask him oh, to show you mercy. Because you can be running around only to after you have finished five years of running around only to find out that you are running away from the very thing that God... Are you following what I'm saying? Genesis 21 and verse 15. Uh, this one is strong. Now what happened from verse 14? Abraham rose up all right? Now, God had told Abraham in verse 13, also the son of the bond woman, will I make a nation because he is thy seed? All right? Sarah just said, get out Ishmael from the house. And God told him, do what Sarah said, get Ishmael and Hagar out of the house. Please, before we start going very, you know, spiritual, you must understand as far as Ishmael was concerned, he was the first child of Abraham, the first son of Abraham. And he was a son of Abraham as much as Isaac. Is you saying all this covenant seed. Ish, emotionally speaking, Ishmael didn't know that. Now it was time for Abraham to send Ishmael out of the house. And God had told Abraham he will be a great nation. Abraham rose up in the morning, took bread and what? A bottle of water. And gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child. And sent her away. And she departed. This is your father that is very rich in silver and gold. And cattle. He's sending you out of his house. First son, with a bottle. He didn't even say 10 cows go. He didn't even say 15 goats follow. A bottle. So you, I'm trying to show you that entitlement mentality doesn't work in this covenant. Nobody owes you anything. The scripture, if you think people owe you, it brings blindness. The scripture says the eyes of the servant are on the hands of the master. The eyes of the mystery of this made upon the eyes of hands of the mystery, but our eyes are upon the O Lord until you show mercy. Which means, if you show mercy unto us, it will show in our eyes what we are seeing. If you walk in a place how you are supposed to walk, and God rewards you, He will open your eyes in that place to see a business idea that you will go and start your own company that nobody else in that place will see. But by your interaction with people, something just opened your eyes. You've left the place with mercy. You've left the place with eyes that see. You've left the place to start and end. That's why, that's why he's saying if you start stealing and doing all of that, he says, look, this is not, that's not what you are there for. Alright? So he gave him a bottle of water, so he took out, now, now under normal circumstances, people should be angry. And we have so much anger in the world. We are angry. Oh, they cheated me. Oh, they cheated me. He should be angry. But 
Check every covenant person. When they, even when it was time for Isaac, go and read it. Abraham called the sons of concubines, gave them silver and gold, gave them all the property. He said, Isaac says, so what's left for me? Well, you're giving out the property. He said, come, the kingdom is yours. Take it. Kingdom. He went. Because when the circumstances changed and famine came, all he gave you would diminish. If you have eyes that see, you'll know what to do inside that place. When Jacob was leaving, what did he go with? When Joseph left, what did he take? No covenant man took material things. What they took was a spirit. That's why people come to church and say inside the church, and they didn't treat me well. And after what I did in church, my friend, my friend, let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Let me just tell you. I have served in churches. All the churches I served, till today, they've not come back to preach. With all my anointing, they've not said, come and preach. So it's not that you sit down and say, I have been in this church. I have been sharing. Are you following saying Entitlement mentality comes in. If you argue to become general secretary here, you are bought your ministry. Are you following what I'm saying? The church I went to, but when the assistant pastor invited me, he saw me on television, he called to me and said, they said he went to scripture pastor. I said, I said, I didn't know him. I didn't know him. The day he invited me to come and preach where he is. I said, I knew him. So I said, the day he invited me to come, when I finished, he got up. Ah! When I finished, he got up. He said, if we started scripture pastor to give birth spiritually to Pojoimade, we fulfill that destiny on the earth. They didn't know me. So you can be champion here. Are you from say? Organize yourself. Nothing is happening. You are the one. They can't move. You can't move. You can't. Pastor, have you seen me? Pastor, have you seen me? You understand what I'm saying here? And there is somebody they don't know who from the heart in genuineness is serving. Never has met the pastor before. Never has entered the office. Nobody knows anything. And God touches him after three years. Go and started ministry in just before we know what's happening. Pa. Have you read Rich Man Poor, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Have you read that book? You know what he was telling him? Take nothing but look for eyes that see. That's the name of the book. Now, see this. So he rose up in hell and running there, and, and water was spent, now verse, verse 15, and the water in the bottle, all right, was spent, and she cast her child under one of the shrubs, and she went, and verse 16, and sat down over against the good way of, as it were, a bow shot. And what happened? All right. As well, abortion. For she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. So the mother was crying. The mother didn't pray. The mother was waiting for death and doing what? Crying. Do you understand this? She wept. But hear what the angel said. And God heard the voice of the Lord. And the angel called Hagar out of heaven and said, What ailed thee, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. You know what happened? Abraham called Ishmael before he left. He said, Let me tell you the great secret. I've given you one bottle of water and a loaf of bread. It will finish. When it finishes, let me tell you what you should do. Go to God that I serve. 
ask him to open your eyes. He said, go to the God when things have... He said, ask him. Because Ishmael prayed a prayer and the Bible makes it clear it wasn't Hagar's prayer. When the angel came, the angel said, it wasn't you, it is the boy. So, the angel came to answer the prayer of the boy. Do you agree? What was the answer? Verse 18. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him up in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. Same thing God told Abraham. And God opened her what? Eyes. And she saw a well of water there. So you can be dying when there is endless supply before you. You just didn't see it. That water will not, that well will not just fill the bottle. That well will use to do farming. Irrigation. You start doing all kinds of things. And it was by the mercy of God. So can you imagine somebody with a bottle of water hustling while somebody first obtains mercy and gets the well? And then he runs and runs. That's why Jesus wept. He saw wells in front of them and said, if you only knew what will make for your peace. Right in front of them. And let me tell you, this year, what we're saying here is, it has always been, but let's just bring our faith into this year. Because it has always been. You see, understand this. If you declare powerful things, that's the same thing that happened to Elisha and his servant. You know what he did? Elisha said, more are with us than against us. He confessed like we confess. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. After he told the servant, the servant looked at Elisha. Chief, what are you saying? Elisha said, there's another level. God opened his eyes. He opened his eyes. He saw chariots. Then they came to catch Elisha. Elisha took them and asked God to strike the people that were sent with blindness. He took them. They were looking for Elisha. And because they were blind, Elisha carried them to Samaria. Which means, when a man is blind, he can be standing before. That's why he says the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. So they are spending their time on the earth without seeing anything. And saying, where is God? 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 And there's that frustration. And the will to do things. And they try to do things, but they have not yet, first of all, obtained the mercy of God. They attempt to do things, but there is no mercy, first of all. And that mercy means, give me eyes that sees. And when your eyes sees whatever God has apportioned to you on this earth, your eyes are opened up unto them and you see it. And when you see it, it is an open door. And you go through that particular door, nobody else sees it. Then to remember Jesus, when Jesus came and was raised from the dead, the scripture says there were two men that were with Jesus, their eyes were closed. They, the Jesus said, what about you people so bothered? They said, are you a stranger in this land? Standing before Jesus, preaching to Jesus about Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when we say it's not of him that runneth, of him that willeth, but it's of God that showeth mercy. So what we are saying is, you take a group of people from a class, and you take them after 20 years, 
The most intelligent in that class is not the one who will be on top. The strongest is not the one who will be winning. Who is going to be winning? The person who has seen something. The person who has seen something. Right? And when you see something, and you see it, then you understand that's exactly what I'm supposed to do. That's a vision. And anybody will tell you, no matter the degrees you have, the most important thing is your vision. If you see nothing, you don't go anywhere with what you have. Somebody else can see, and that person gets into it. So the assignment I have was to preach about mercy and to pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. That your eyes... Now, we don't just want to have a conference that you heard words are left. Your eyes... Now, that door is before you. It's not far. The scripture says there is much food where? In the tillage of the poor. The person who has nothing, there is much food in his tillage. And please, if you are on the cycle of success, increase, things are happening in your life. Number one, don't touch the praise. Don't touch the glory. It belongs to God. Number two, the fact that you got results doesn't mean you have seen purpose. You know, if I didn't understand this, I would not have understood something Bishop Tudor Bismarck said to us, said, I had preached around the world. I'd been in ministry for 35 years. At Warbeck, he said it. I'd preached around the world. I'd built a congregation with several thousands of people. I was known all over the world. He said it was after 35 years I discovered my purpose. He said it. Which means it is the works of God you have seen. But you can have those works. And he's giving you fish and you are eating the fish. And you don't know from now on you should catch men. So some of you are experiencing an increase now. Now, you give, that's why they were praising God. God said, if you hold your peace, you'll get replaced. So first thing you want to do is, God, I want to give you all the praise. And, because this is just the beginning. I, I, all the praise and glory. Inside this promotion that I have, inside this disposable income of even 500,000 that is lying there. Inside. All right? These things that I have. Inside. You know, we preach to people in adversity and in need, but we don't preach to successful people. We don't. There's no message for successful people. It's always you're in trouble, you're coming out. You're in trouble. You're, and you have to be careful because if there's no message for successful people, then if you're here in trouble, trouble, you will go back into trouble. But the man that has the increase, what God says is, I want you to step into purpose. And when you step into purpose, the security starts getting multiplied. And if you are struggling, there's no problem again. It is eyes that see. Once you start seeing, and you start seeing, everything becomes clear. Then you are no longer groping as in darkness. Is brand is like the noonday, and the light of God is there. So, my assignment was to pray for people that this mercy will rest upon you. In addition to all that you have heard, because you are a vessel of mercy, 
And the Bible says, and that's why the message, Reverend George, on forgiveness was so powerful. He that hated his brother will be blind. Darkness comes in. He's, he won't see again. So any crisis you've had with any person, listen, any person, the Bible says they were offended at the place of the appointment. Nobody has worked with God. You can ask the ministers here. Nobody has worked with God. That just before a breakthrough, there will be a reason to get deeply offended. There will be something that will happen. And what happens is many people get angry at that particular place. So I want to pray. It's a simple prayer that God should open the eyes of your heart. So that the doors that are before you, they are not far. They are not far. What is right before you, that hitherto you have not seen, that from tonight, either by revelation, by dream, by vision, by ideas, or through conversation, you'll have that moment where you see it and say, that is it. Now, I am not talking about even hearing a voice saying, my son, no. I'm saying, in your mind, you see it and it's clear. <laughs> Father, I pray for this once under the sound of my voice in this auditorium and watching via the internet. You have said in your word, it's not of him that runneth, neither is him of him that willeth, but it's of you that showeth mercy. We have seen in your word. The only reason why men don't obtain mercy is they don't respect the power of that mercy and come to you for it. We come this evening honoring the blood of Jesus that has given us access. And we have reverence to your mercy. That is the greatest attribute, your compassion and your love for humanity. And I ask in the name of Jesus that you show every single person under the sound of my voice, this mercy by opening up their eyes this moment so that they see what you have placed before them in the name of Jesus. Satan, I command you, take your hands off the inner eyes of every single person under the sound of my voice. Jesus died on the cross and rendered you inoperative in their lives. I cast out the spirit of blindness and I command that you depart. With your eyes, you now see in Jesus' name, amen. Just give God praise and just thank him. Thank you for being a part of our broadcast. You know, we never like to end without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Coming into Christ is beyond joining a church, is beyond a religion. It is joining God's family. And that is done when you believe in Christ Jesus. So I just want to lead you right away now. If you are, if you want to give your heart to Christ, just say after me, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again and that you paid for my sins. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. And from today, I belong to you. If you have said those words, will be late, you are born again. You are part of God's family right now. You can go ahead and rejoice about it. God bless you. We love you. Stay blessed.